Thank you, Holland Chapel. So if you don't know, we're thankful for you. And if you haven't known before, the video shows that boys and girls express that very differently. My name is Nick, and I am honored to be here with you guys this morning on a special day for our students. I'm one of the pastors here at Holland Chapel, and we have been enjoying what we call around here Reality Weekend. And just so you know, in case you have never heard of that before, that is something that's been going on around Saline County for over 20 years. And uh, it's a weekend of discipleship. It's a weekend of worship. It's a weekend of encouragement for area students to come together. There was over 1,000 students uh, gathered at worship services at First Baptist this weekend. Uh, we utilize host homes, and that means that you've invited uh, 8, 10, 12 students into your home for the weekend. They have college leaders that, that, uh, that, that lead them in small group discussion and uh, take care of them over the course of the weekend. And we worship together with their peers from around the area. Uh, more than 11 churches gathered together. And uh, it's just been a phenomenal weekend. We've had a, uh, an incredible time. And I want to say in all seriousness, um, thank you because it's your generosity that makes it possible. Whether you were a host, whether you were transportation, whether you fed meals this morning in our first worship gathering, the students were across the street. And we had a kitchen crew feeding 150 students, which is not easy to do. And, uh, or maybe you were one of the ones that volunteered or offered up the uh, opportunity for students to go on a scholarship and to be a part of this weekend. Whether you were a, what you would consider a, a large part of the weekend or a, a small part, maybe you don't feel like that, that plan of brownies uh, that, that was devoured at lunch yesterday meant that much. Or maybe you felt like that because you only transported students one time to a worship gathering because they needed some help getting that number of students to a worship gathering. Or maybe because you were a parent that sent them and uh, took it easy for the weekend because your kids were out of your house. Whatever you contributed, it made a big difference. And I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. The results for the weekend, it'll take years really to, to, to figure out what the results were. I know there were several decisions that were made and, and we'll be talking with students about those in the days and the weeks ahead. There will be more decisions to come. As I was visiting with the pastor uh, last night at First Baptist, uh, before the gathering began, we were talking about old times, and we were talking about these students that were a part of weekend, reality weekends years and years ago, 10, 15 years ago. And as those names were coming up, I began to think, wait a minute, that person's a pastor. Wait a minute, that person is leading a, a student ministry. Wait a minute, that person is, um, is heavily involved in this church or in this mission or in this ministry. And what I'm saying is, that your generosity and your hospitality and your giving this weekend is going to be seen not just in these walls, but these students are going to grow up to be those all around Arkansas, all around our country, and all, all around the world probably. And so we say thank you. One thing in particular that I want to point out about your student ministry is that uh, a lot of times as students uh, get into 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, as they get older, they begin to get more responsibility, they get jobs, they get girlfriends, they get sports uh, responsibilities, and, and inevitably, over the course of the time I've spent in student ministry, uh, that number of juniors and seniors kind of declines, but I'm proud of our guys and girls on the front row up here, because they continue to make Jesus a priority, they continue to lead well, 
and we have a very strong junior and senior group because they've got group leaders and 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 Ashley Yaza and Brad Duncan and I'm going to forget some names but uh, Terry Lowallen and others that pour into these students on a weekly basis and they've continued to make not only church but more importantly Jesus a priority as they've gotten older as students and so uh, one last thank you and that is to our 18 college leaders uh, they have given up their weekend as these students have it's not a an easy thing to tell a, to, for a student to say I'm going to check out at Friday afternoon and I'm going to get uh, I'm going to get from Sunday after church to Sunday night as my weekend because I'm going to be a part of this Jesus thing for the whole weekend. And not only did 150 students do that, but 18 uh, college leaders have said that as well. And they have invested and they will continue to develop these relationships with these students in the days and the weeks ahead. But they walked away from their campuses and their studies and, and whatever they had going on to invest in your students this weekend. So I know that you want to thank them, please. <clears throat> HCSM meets every Wednesday. If you have a 5th through 12th grade student that needs a place to plug into, needs a place of encouragement, needs a place to hear about Jesus, we invite them to join us on Wednesday nights, 6 o'clock in the gym, and then we come over here for our worship gathering. If you were here this past Wednesday, the room looked about like this. It's a pretty rocking uh, worship gathering. We'd love for you to join us any Wednesday night in here at 6.30, but send students our way, please. This morning, as Keaton said, we are still in our series of Kingdom Heroes and I get the great privilege of um, kind of unveiling or uh, looking deeper into the life of one of the least known in the Hall of Faith. His name's Enoch. And you may have heard of him, you may not have heard of Enoch, but Enoch, just to give you a little background, was the seventh generation from Adam. So he's way back, way back in the beginning. His father, he was the father of Methuselah. And Methuselah, I don't know how he came up with that name, but he was the father of Methuselah. And Methuselah is the longest living person in the, that's ever lived, 969 years. His dad lived 962 years, and then Enoch is in the middle, and he lived a measly 365, which we laugh about because uh, that's a long time. But when you look at the bookends, the, the father and the son that lived over 900, and there Enoch in the middle lived 360 years, you, you must want to scratch your head and say, well, what happened there? 900, 300, 900. Well, it's a pretty incredible story, a miracle, in fact, and we're going to look at it in Genesis chapter 5. But before we look at Genesis chapter 5, I had the privilege of being a part of a, a disappearing act one time. It's one of my really fondest memories in ministry, I got to be a part of an illusionist show. I show the video as often as I can to remember that it actually happened and to kind of show off a little bit. And so uh, the guy you're going to see in the video doesn't look a lot like me anymore because this was about 20 years ago. But what you need to know about this video is that there is a gentleman in a wooden box. He is, uh, the box is locked. He's in a, ba a black bag and it's tied at the top and he's in handcuffs and he's inside this box. You're going to see me on top of the box, and I want you to see this disappearing act. Huh? Pretty good, right? Yeah. So 
the video ends here, but it goes on, and, and he opens the box. Not only am I in the box with the lid closed, and I'm in the bag with the bag tied, and I have handcuffs on. And I would love to share that secret with you, but I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, hey, magicians never share their secrets, never tell their tricks. And I really don't have a, a, a magician's code because I'm not a magician. So I would tell you, the problem is I really don't remember because it was 20 years ago. So I don't remember how it all worked. But I was a part of a disappearing act. We see one in Genesis chapter 5. Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 5 and let's see what happened to Enoch. In Genesis 5, you see several verses of genealogy, and many, many verses in a row end the same way. It says, then he died, then he died, then he died. Everyone's story ends the same until you get to verse 21. Read with me Genesis chapter 5, verse 21. It says, when Enoch had lived 65 years... He became the father of Methuselah, and after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Enoch walked with God, then he was no more because God took him away. You heard that right. You read it right. It's in Scripture. Enoch disappeared. He was no more. And we don't have to wonder why, because God immediately takes credit. It says that God took him away. And in that moment, Enoch became one of the two people in history that never physically died. Elijah and Enoch, we read about in Scripture that God took them away. And there's much speculation as to why or, or how God took him. But this morning, we're going to focus in on this legend, this kingdom hero and see what we can learn from Enoch, because he must have been doing something right. He, he must have been doing something right in order for God to say, come on, I'm not going to make you experience physical death. I'm not going to make you go through that pain. I'm going to take you. Not much is said about Enoch, but what is said leaves little doubt as to what kind of man he was. We don't have to wonder about Enoch. You don't have to think, well, was Enoch a rude man? Was he harsh? Was he had a, had a bad temper? The Bible says that Enoch walked with God. That's a pretty good description that leaves little room for wondering what kind of man he was. He walked with God. Another version of Scripture says he walked in close fellowship. There was communion. There was intimacy. There was a relationship there. One little girl told the story this way. She said, Enoch and God were great friends, and they would often take long walks together. One day they took a long walk and became so interested in what they were talking about, they forgot how far they had gone. And it was getting late, and they were far from Enoch's home, and then God said, Enoch, we are nearer my home than yours. If you'd like, you may go home with me. He did, said the little girl, and he liked it so well that he's been there ever since. That kind of fellowship can only mean one thing means that Enoch had experienced forgiveness. Last week, Pastor Grant talked about kingdom hero of Abel. And Abel's sacrifice in the story of Cain and Abel points to the blood of Jesus that's necessary for the forgiveness of sins. You see, in order for sinful people to commune, to walk with God, there's got to be forgiveness of sin. Our, our sinful nature would want to run away from God. 
We wouldn't want anything to do with God. But when we place our faith in Jesus and we trust his death on the cross as payment for our sin, we develop this desire to walk alongside God. There is union now. That was Enoch. He had been reconciled to God. Amos chapter 3 says, Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? You see, in order to walk with God, we've got to agree on the direction. We've got to agree, come to agreement that our sin deserved punishment. That our sin separated us from God and that we need a Savior. Enoch made that agreement. Enoch recognized that he needed a Savior. Today, maybe you need to agree with God about your sin. And you need to stop running and you need to say, God, I agree with you. I need you. And walk alongside him. Notice I said that Enoch walked with God, not God with Enoch. Enoch was not the man who said, this is where I'm going, God. You can join me if you want to. Some of us, I think, have that problem sometimes. We say, God, I'm going this way. Come on if you would like to. But this is the direction I'm going in. The Bible says Enoch walked with God. He made God the center of his decision-making. When you walk with God, he becomes your authority on all things. You don't go on making your own decisions. You're making God the authority. God's not just scheduled into the calendar somewhere. He's what influences the calendar. You might say, well, come on, Nick. I, I hear you, but Enoch lived a long time ago. He had it a lot easier than me. Sure, I could walk with God for 300 years if I lived way back then. He doesn't have to deal with what I have to deal with today, you might think. First of all, I would say our circumstances or our environment are no excuse for sin. I don't know about you, but I used to hear just because everybody else is doing it, you don't get to do it. And that didn't work as a child, and it doesn't work as an adult either. You see, walking with God is literally going against the grain of culture. It's going against everything else. Enoch had trouble. Enoch had heartache. Enoch had stubbornness around him. How do I know that? Because the Bible said he had other sons and daughters. And some of them probably invited ten friends to sleep over. Seriously, though, Enoch lived in a generation that caused God to destroy the whole earth with a flood. You think there wasn't opposition to God back then? It was so bad that God said, I'm going to destroy everything. Open rebellion against God. Sounds kind of like the world we live in, doesn't it? But at some point in his life, he decided that his only hope was to walk with God through this world. Have you ever been in a crowd, a ball game crowd maybe with a little child, and everything lets out, and you've got to hold that child close because everything's going crazy all around them? Uh, we went to a Razorback game back in the fall, and it was one of those games where it's not over with at halftime when half the crowd leaves and, you know, beats the rush, but it's to the very end, and so everybody stays to the end. And so when the final uh, time goes, runs out, 70,000 people try to find their car at the same time, and it's total chaos, and people are going every which direction. And so the first thing I did was grab my daughter Avery's hand. And I walked her through that, and, and when she had a hold of my hand, she had direction, she had guidance, she had protection, and, and we weaved through the crowd, and we found our way to the car. 
It's kind of like what it is when you walk with God. We walk with God, we have access to wisdom and guidance and peace and all the things that we stand in need of so desperately when we're trying to walk against the grain of the culture. And walking with God became Enoch's desire. It can be our desire too, but it's not as easy as it sounds. Going on a walk sounds easy. Like I'm just going to go walking down the street, but it's not as easy as it sounds. It, it, it has to be a decision that you make every day. And sometimes we get in a hurry, we get distracted, or if you're like me, you're just plain forgetful. I'm not very good at walking with Tiffany sometimes. We we'll pull up to Walmart and and uh, I, I've got my stuff and I'm heading to the door and I'm trying to hit the lock button on the car to lock the car and I'm at the front door of Walmart and I turn around and it won't lock because she's still in the car gathering her things up. You've been there. And you have to go backwards. Like, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to walk with you now. We were agreeing on the same direction. I just was going way ahead. Some of the pastors here remember going on hospital visits with one of our former pastors named Jason Talent. And I, I wish he was here. He would laugh about this too. He, he liked to go somewhere fast. We would make a hospital visit. I remember one in particular. You know, hospitals have the long hallways and, and, um, and Jason would walk fast. And he was going. He thought he knew where he was going. And we got to a crossroads and I think Keaton or Josh and I we kind of stood back because we just couldn't keep up with him. And we had a sneaky suspicion that he was going the wrong direction. <laughs> and sure enough, we waited, you know, a minute or two. And then uh, he returned sheepishly with a guide directing him back towards us because he had, sure enough, made the wrong turn. That's what I call going nowhere fast. Going nowhere fast, whether it's me going into Walmart or whether it's uh, Jason going down the hallway at the hospital, going, the, going nowhere fast because the direction... And the person you're bringing with you are most important. And we had forgotten. And I have a bad habit of going nowhere fast. It's not because I think I know better than God. It's not because I want to go in a different direction. It's me simply forgetting that if he's not with me, I'm going nowhere fast. And I have to apologize. I have to say, God, forgive me for making plans, for moving forward, for running ahead, because if you're not in this with me, it's, it's meaningless. It's not going to work. I'm going nowhere. Maybe today you need to sync up your walk with God. For over 300 years, Enoch walked with God. It seemed like 300 when we were talking about 900, 300, 900, 300 sounded like not a very long time, but it's pretty impressive when you're talking about a consistent, faithful fellowship in the face of adversity, so much so that would cause God to say, I'm going to destroy it. And he walked consistently with God for 300 years. Sometimes, if you're like me, you may settle for three weeks. That's what makes him a kingdom hero. How? How How did he do it? One word. That's what we're talking about this whole series, faith. Hebrews 11. Now we'll turn to the hall of faith and look briefly at what Hebrews says. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. Flip over there with me, if you will. Hebrews 11, verse 5 is where we come upon Enoch's monument in this hall of faith. 
The Bible says it was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. The Greek word for walked, it was pleased. And so what you see here is Genesis account and Hebrews account coming together, linking up, syncing up. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who walked with God or who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Enoch was known as a person who pleased God. Makes it pretty clear there that it's impossible to please God or walk with God without faith. So obviously Enoch had a a great faith. You see, you can't walk with someone if you don't believe or have faith that they're actually there walking with you. The Bible says you got to believe that God exists. In order for us to daily walk with God, we have to have the faith that he's there. And by he, I mean creator God, almighty God, the same God who cares and who loves about you, or loves you and loves me on February 20th, 2022 and every day after that and every day before that, the God that we see in scripture. Not just some being out there that we don't realize is personal and wants to know us and wants to relate with us. We have to have faith that that God exists, the God of the Bible. Without faith, that's impossible. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2 says, For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value. It was just words. Why? Because those who heard it didn't combine it with faith. It's one thing to hear about God or to hear about that he loves you or to hear this or that. But if you don't have faith that it's real, it's impossible not only to please him but to walk with him. Hebrews says, anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards. In other words, believe that if you walk with God, it's going to affect you. There's going to be change. It's going to do something to you. A good illustration for this is if you're walking in the rain, you're going to show the effects of the rain. If you're walking in the sun, you're going to show the effects of the sun. Some of you in this room, if you're walking in the wind, your hair is going to show the effects of the wind. Come on, that's funny. Nobody laughed in the first either. I said it would be funnier when Josh was in here and he's sitting right here and nobody still laughed. Mm. Point is, when you walk with God, you'll experience the effects of walking with God. You'll notice his influence. You'll notice his creativity around you. You'll notice as your day unfolds that God's at work. And it's a whole lot easier to have strong faith in those moments. You'll also notice sin around you a lot more when you're walking in communion with God. It jumps out at you. Interesting thing about Enoch that I wanted to mention, because there's not a lot about him in Scripture The only other place that Enoch's really discussed or talked much about is in the one chapter book of Jude. 
And in Jude chapter four, or verse 14 and verse 15, um, he quotes a prophecy of Enoch. It's actually the, the oldest spoken prophecy in Scripture. It's pretty unique to, to Enoch. And, and the prophecy, what Enoch is saying in Jude 14 and 15, is he's prophesying God's judgment against sin. So here you have a man who was walking with God 300 years. And what's he shouting? What's he telling people about? He's telling them about sin, how bad God hates it, how much people need a Savior. That's what Enoch chose to shout. And that's what Enoch's known as remembering, saying, is watch out. Pastor, commentator named John MacArthur, he said this, Those who walk most closely with God most passionately warn of the coming judgment. Those who walk most closely with God most passionately warn about his coming judgment. Why? Because those who are walking closely with God have been most impacted, have been most affected by the gospel, that they can't help but tell people about it, that they can't help but warn people about God's judgment against sin. They can't help but tell people, you need a Savior. Unstoppable. We're, uh, our students were going through a series uh, on Wednesday nights called Unstoppable. We're going through the book of Acts, and that's when I was studying this, it reminded me of the story we had a couple of weeks ago with Peter and John. And they tried to, they tried to shut them up. They tried to, they tried to tell them to be quiet, leave town. And Peter and John said, we can't stop talking about it. The gospel had affected them so much that they could not stop sharing. That's what you see with Enoch, and that's what you see with, should see with someone who's walking with God. It says, Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards. God's not going to waste your time. You're not going to look back and say, I sure regret that walk. <laughs> William Borden was a kingdom hero Grant spoke of last week. His quote, his life saying was, no reserves, no regrets. I don't think you're going to get to the end of your walk and say, man, I sure regret that one. Life's not always going to be carefree. It's not always going to be fun. You're not going to ace every test. It's not always going to be easy. But I can promise you this. It will be better. It will be better if you're walking with God. He rewards. Offers us forgiveness. A purpose. Offers us the Holy Spirit, which helps us keep in step on that walk. Offers us eternal life in heaven. One day, the Bible tells us there's going to be a whole generation of Enoch's. It says those who are still alive will be caught up to meet him in the air. And a whole generation are going to do Enoch's trick <laughs> and disappear. God's going to take them. I love this verse as we get ready to wrap up. Psalm 16:11. It says, You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. I told the students this morning that I hadn't planned on tying this morning into Reality Weekend, but uh, the Reality Weekend theme was possible. And all weekend, the students learned that it's possible to know God, to experience His love, to tell His story. And as I was pre preparing for this, I, I read Psalm 1611, that you will show me the way of life, walking alongside me. Granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. And what did I think? I thought, it's possible, right? 
It's possible. And I told him this morning that I really feel like it's a springboard in the, in the last, the last ser- sermon in the series of possibilities for them to know that walking with God is possible as they continue on in life. It's possible because Hebrews 11.6 finishes with that he rewards those who sincerely or earnestly seek him. It's not going to happen by accident. You've got to make a decision. We choose to walk with someone when we want to get to know them. You make that choice. I want to get to know this person. I'm going to walk alongside them. Earnestly seek means to li- a lifelong desire to grow deeper in relationship. Earnestly seek. He'll reward those who earnestly seek him, who have a lifelong desire to grow in deeper relationship. Same way you do when you walk alongside someone for a long time. There's a lot of people in this room who've grown in deeper relationship. How? By walking with someone. You walk alongside someone, you grow in deeper relationship with them. One of Todd's kingdom heroes named Paul Goodwin was a pastor around the Little Rock area, and I can remember hearing him preach as a child. And he said this many talkers, there's many talkers for God, but few walkers with God. Many talkers for God, but there's few walkers with God. What separates the two? Faith. And so our big idea, main point, what I want you to remember today, and especially students as we kind of wrap up this idea, this theme of possible, is that it's possible, by faith it's possible to walk with God. Walk with God. You might say, well, I I don't know if it's possible for me because you haven't heard about my past. I would say God cares a whole lot more about your future. He cares a whole lot more about where you're going. You might say, well, I don't know if it's possible because he just feels so far away. He just feels so far away it seems impossible for me to walk with God. When someone feels far away from you, a family member or something, doesn't talking to them always make you feel a little bit better? Maybe you send your students off to camp or on a mission trip, and when you talk to them, it just, it just feels a whole lot better. Maybe this morning, as you think about the possibilities of walking with God, you just need to start with that. Just talk to him. Spend a little time with him. Why not? Right? You've got the creator of the world. The almighty God who wants to take interest in you. Why wouldn't we want to walk with him? I would invite you to respond today to God's word. And make what seems impossible, possible. By having faith that God exists. That he rewards. That he affects. That he changes those who earnestly seek him. One last quote we've got to leave with a man named Tony Evans incredible pastor he said unless faith makes it all the way down to your feet it's not faith and we're talking about walking so I thought hey that's a that's got to go right it's one thing to hear all this and to say oh man that's a pretty cool idea walking with God that sounds like you know good thing you said my life would be better that sounds like a good idea but unless your faith makes it down to your feet 
and you actually respond and do something about it, it's like that Hebrews chapter 4 verse. It's useless. So this morning, the challenge for all of us is to respond, whether you need to join up on that walk for the very first time. Maybe you're walking ahead of God and you need to remember that you're going nowhere fast or maybe you're lagging behind or maybe you need to know Jesus as your Savior today and begin the walk of a lifetime. Respond, respond, respond. Let's have faith and do the impossible. Make it possible. This morning you can respond by... The Connect Corner in person, we've got some friends that would love to put their arm around you and pray with you as you begin that journey. Maybe you need to mark your Connect card and say, hey, I, I, I'm going to begin this walk, or I'm, I'm committing to, to, to walk with God. I've been spotty, I've been visiting Him on a walk, but I need to walk my life with Him. We want to connect with you, we want to encourage you, want to send you a big thumbs up and say we're praying for you. Students, if you need to make that decision, your college leaders are still here, your parents are here, make a commitment, tell somebody so we can hold each other accountable. But respond. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for an incredible weekend. But Lord, more than that, we thank you for Jesus. We'd all be wasting our time, Lord, if we didn't have a God who loved us enough to send his son To bridge the gap between a holy God and a sinful people. And so this morning, Lord, I pray that if one doesn't know you as their Savior, that they would agree with you about their sin, agree that it deserves death, but that you offer life. Lord, I pray for one in this room that needs to come back and walk with you because they're going nowhere fast. Or maybe, Lord, they need to walk more consistently with you. I pray, Lord, that we would be a church who by faith would do the impossible and walk with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.